Welcome to the Alienist Recap Podcast. My name is Alex, and I have not read Caleb Carr's The Alienist or The Angel of Darkness. My name is Nick, and I've read them both. Today we are recording a brief primer for the second season of the show titled The Alienist Angel of Darkness, which is based off of the second book in the series. We may spoil some elements from the first season of the show, so pause and go catch up before you listen to the rest of this episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at thealienist.tv, and you can send feedback to feedback at thealienist.tv to tell us what you think of our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to mpn.bz slash patreon or patreon.com slash midwestpodnet and pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K, Gojo, and Sidza who have pledged at the level of $10 per month. Nick, we received an email last week on May 25th, to be precise, mm. shortly after the reveal of the second season of The Alienist's release date, and it was from Sky. Sky said, I was a huge fan of Nick and Alex's The Alienist re- Recap Podcast, and I just wanted to reach out to say that I hope they will do another season of that podcast because of the upcoming second season of The Alienist. The first season of The Alienist Recap is definitely one of my favorite podcasts ever. Which I don't know about you, but I was kind of mind blown that somebody went to the mid. This, this, let me tell you, this email came in specifically from the Midwest Podcast Network website. Yes, it wasn't to our email; it was to the the network's email, and uh, it just kind of blew my mind that somebody went through the trouble of tracking us down that way to let us know they were ready for a second season of The Alienist, and that they were hoping we would come along for it. Yeah, everything about that blew my mind because it's just, (laughs) it's always, you know, we just experienced this uh, with Westworld season three. So you and I wrapped that up probably, I don't know, two, three weeks ago at this point. Yeah, it was like the first week of May or so. So it's it's been a few, just a few weeks. But when we kind of threw out the call there in our uh, penultimate episode and we said hey if anybody you know has any thoughts or feedback like now's absolutely i mean whenever is obviously the time but now you know definitely write in and we got a lot of response from people we hadn't we heard did. from all season or ever and we had yeah. we had a lot of replies from a lot of our standbys and our our uh, our longtime listeners which was of course always awesome it's like hearing from an old friend but hearing from new people as well was so cool so uh the Alienist as a show, the actual show proper, and our podcast continually crack me up because they just are <laughs> the underdog of <laughs> of both of their respective categories. Like the show is is just it confounds me that it found an audience in the way it did, and I think it's mm. it's a European Netflix. I think release was super yeah. helpful, but. Uh, it's funny because I think it's it's an amazing. I, I love the book, obviously, and I like the show a lot. Just the show to me was kind of silly, and I think maybe we just kind of had a lot of fun with it in our podcast. But uh, yeah, it 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 kind of got this funny like kind of underdog status from me, and so now when I hear people writing in to us and and I see the the Reddit community kind of building behind the subreddit. It just, it fascinates me. And I think it's so awesome and so exciting because it's such great source material. And I think the show's a lot of fun. I have very high hopes for the second season. I'm really, really excited because we just, uh, 
we were talking in our Discord about two years ago, kind of saying, which is, first of all, holy crap, like two years have gone by. That's <laughs> unbelievable because yeah. in that in those two years, a lot has happened to both of us. And yep. uh, our lives are very different than they were two years ago, which is really exciting because it also feels like it was like six months ago, maybe, which mm -hmm. is unreal. But we were talking about how we were hoping there was going to be a second season and they were saying like, oh, it seems like they are going to pick it up for a second season. And it took this long for it to... You know, even uh, I think in the middle of us or early in us recording Westworld season three, we said something about like, well, I think the alienist is shooting, but did it get held up yeah. by all of the COVID uh, sheltering and all that kind of stuff? And, you know, and then all of a sudden here, here it is. Here's a release date. And, and I think it caught us all kind of by surprise. Absolutely. Yeah, it's weird. They're very quiet about the production of the show. I remember seeing some casting news, but it was really just like two kind of lesser known actors I think that were cast in unspecified roles so it wasn't like wasn't the slow trickle of information it wasn't whatever it was just kind of like hey this is happening hey we've hired a couple new people and then kind of all of a sudden it's just been like guess what it's coming out in two months and that's pretty crazy to me so um I guess this is the announcement we are going to be back for season two uh the yeah. angel of darkness um and I'm excited about it. Um, it's so the show premieres season two premieres on July 26th at 9 p.m. 8 central. Um, and we're at that time frame right now where if you watch an episode a week of the first season, you will be kind of in time to uh, catch up and be fresh on season two. So you might have to double up on one of those weeks if you do it at the beginning or the end or whatever you're going to do. Um, or you can just chew through it all in a week, whatever you want to do. Now's a good time to go and revisit season one. If you'd like to, if you're not me, you'd probably have time to read the books too. Um, so <laughs> get caught up, do what you want to do, but we are planning to be back with the second season of the alienist, which is quite exciting. And sooner than I figured it would be, like you said, I think it was just kind of like a, it's coming. Right. And now it's here so that's that's awesome yeah i'm but. weirdly super duper excited for this because the 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 alien i mean we've only done one season of the alienist show which is funny because we did four seasons of preacher we did three seasons of westworld we did four or some years of film nerds and uh this more recently it's been preacher and westworld which i feel like a preacher i take very seriously because it's a mm -hmm. it's a source material that's very near and dear to my heart and uh it deals with a lot of really heavy themes and uh westworld i also think we both take really seriously because it's such a heady show and because you know most of the fan base take it super seriously as well i mean there there's there was a conversation going in our discord for days after the finale that was so yeah. serious and so intense and a lot of fun to read but i would have to like take pauses and i'd have to reread paragraphs of what people were saying because i'd have to kind of try to wrap my head around what they were proposing and the alienist is funny because i feel like it's it's kind of our both of our chance to kind of let our hair down and have some fun with it <laughs> which is weird because the show is a, and, and the books are about really intense horrible things but there's something about the show that was kind of i don't i don't know how to describe it just kind of fun it kind of had this fun atmosphere to it Honestly, I think it, I like if I had to pin it on something, 
or someone. It's Luke Evans. It's Luke Evans. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and, and I don't know if it's if it's just how we feel about Luke Evans as as you and I, or if it's the Luke Evans as he portrays um, the character in the show, or what the deal is, but there's just something about it that just, I, I don't know. I, it, it's great. Well, I think it's awesome. I, def- I definitely, coming from a reader perspective, I think that really means he's doing it right because John Moore, you're supposed to kind of feel that way about, like he's definitely supposed to be kind of this uh, kind of cavalier, but also can be serious character. Like he's kind of, he is not like Indiana Jones, but he's kind of got that same thing where he can he can play both sides. He can be really serious and intense, but he can also be like very silly and uh, fly by the seat of his pants and uh, mm. totally ride on his luck and his charm. And so he's kind of a fun character to to uh, be along for the ride with, especially as him in both the book The Alienist and the first season being kind of the cipher. You're kind of along for the ride with him. Uh, and there's a there's a big distinction be- with that, especially with the second book. So, but I don't think they're going to go that way with the show based on the uh, on the trailer. But yeah, I think uh, Luke Evans is obviously a, a big factor. But there there and, is and kind think... of this there's kind of the uh, the adrenaline and the adventure of pursuing a, a killer, and especially at that that kind of turn of the century when all this new procedure and technology and stuff is is kind of burgeoning and coming about that it gets you kind of amped even when i mean i'm telling you when you read the book you there are moments where you kind of want to fist pump like you get so into it and they have these little watershed eureka moments and you get stoked because they they, that's how effectively it's written so it's it's a lot of fun and the show i think does a good job of kind of having those moments too absolutely i i completely agree um, so we can talk about the trailer a little bit, but before we do that, I wanted to go over kind of the TNT synopsis for the season. In the alienist Angel of Darkness, Sarah has opened her own private detective agency and is leading the charge on a brand new case. She reunites with Dr. Chrysler, the formidable alienist, and John Moore, now a New York Times reporter, to find Anna Linares, the kidnapped infant daughter of the Spanish consular. Their investigation leads them down a sinister path of murder and deceit heading towards a dangerous and elusive killer. As in The Alienist, the series shines a light on the provocative issues of the era, the corruptions of institutions, income inequality, yellow press sensationalism, and the role of women in society, themes that still resonate today. Um, So yeah, you had kind of mentioned after your first viewing of the the trailer that you think it's going to... kind of depart from the second book a little more even so than the first season right yeah yes i think in in one very major way unless they're waiting to, hiding to reveal yeah in yeah. particular and this i don't think this is a spoiler because it literally is from the first page of the book but basically whereas you know and i think i even mentioned this in our in the in our first season in the first book, your your kind of protagonist and narrator is Moore, and mm-hmm. in the second book, it's Stevie Taggart, who is uh, uh, Laszlo's like driver and yep. sort of uh, assistant. And in the second book, he's kind of your narrator, and it it does work, and 
it's fun to watch more as kind of an outside character. You kind of get to see more, be more, rather than kind of being along with him. You get to almost enjoy him from an outside perspective, which is kind of fun. But you also miss, at least I personally kind of miss being with him because he brings that kind of reporter eye uh, and and street savvy to it. And with Stevie, he has a lot of those aspects. I mean, he's like an, an orphan who was like raised on the streets, essentially, kind of grew up mm-hmm. by himself and until Laszlo took him in. So you do get kind of that underworld perspective from a different eye. Uh, but he has his own subplots, too, which obviously you wouldn't get to explore as in-depth if he weren't the narrator. So you do kind of have that. But there is not even a glimpse of him, I don't think, in the trailer. And yeah, so, so I was going to say. Either they're holding that back and saying, like, oh, you're going to kind of be along with him more for the ride. But I really don't think they will. And I totally get it because it seems like you've already established the big the big three of, of John, mm-hmm. Sarah, and Laszlo, and it makes sense to stick with them. And honestly, I don't think the story will suffer at all for it. So I had a I have a Den of Geek article pulled up about this uh, second season and the trailer that came out, and they said here that uh, there's basically no word yet on the inclusion of seasons one Brian Garrity as Theodore Roosevelt or Matt Lentz as Steve, Stevie Taggart. Right. So... That's uh, that's interesting to me that they, but it, it's like you said, it kind of makes sense. The idea that the like shows a TV show having a protagonist and kind of switching gears a little bit to come from another perspective would, I think, feel really different in in a lot of ways. Not necessarily jive with the way that they, because it's not like John Moore was like narrating season one or anything exactly, like that, yeah. Right? So it's it's kind of a it'd be like a little bit of a paradigm shift if they were to kind of come to that in season two. Well, and that's that's kind of the thing in the books too. The book, uh, the Alienist, is bookended with Moore's like kind of him kind of retrospecting on the time and the case, mm-hmm. and it, it starts with Teddy Roosevelt's funeral and uh, him and Laszlo grabbing dinner afterward, and then it kind of ends with kind of uh, a recap like that, and. Uh, uh, the Angel of Darkness is the same way, except with Stevie. And okay. so, the with the with the structure of the book, it kind of makes sense to establish that and then bring you into the case and in the uh, yep. which is cool too because it kind of it it shows how effective the story is because from the beginning of the first book it, at Theodore Roosevelt's funeral, you know that obviously Theodore Roosevelt lived and went on to become the president, and then all that, but you also know that at least John and Laszlo make it out okay. But mm-hmm. there are moments in the in the Alienist where they're in danger and you still get caught up in it because it's like it's good and suspenseful. And then the Angel of Darkness is the same way. You know that at least John Moore and Stevie Taggart make it out. But there are moments where they're in danger too and you and you get caught up in it because it's so it's so compelling and well done. Uh, whether or not the show will follow the same pattern, I don't really know because obviously they can do whatever they want. So, yeah. But season one was pretty faithful to the book, so I think season two will, in the in at least the broad strokes, will be as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of other things, looking at the trailer, I got really geeked seeing the Isaacsons back. Yes, because they they're very much. Oh, they're they're know. huge. I mean, that's the thing. All the established kind of gang are all back, and it's. Ugh, I'm so excited. It's so sweet watching them come back in the book. Like when they all kind of get the band back together and when they, mm-hmm. when they get to their old headquarters and Laszlo 
pulls the the tarp or pulls the claw the cover off the chalkboard and it's so sweet in the book and i yeah that's the the excerpt that uh and katrine uh tweeted yeah. at us i think at one point that we kind of talked over and it you know the, getting the band together i think can be very powerful so i'm in- interested to see if they capitalize on i really hope they show. do because i think they they didn't in the first season i think they didn't mm-hmm. quite establish just how important the little kind of family unit that they form is i mean laszlo already kind of has his family unit with cyrus and stevie and mary and then mm-hmm. john is kind of on his own island and sarah's kind of on her own and then the isaacsons are there but with the way it brings them all together uh isn't quite there in the show for me. I think it is to the extent that they all kind of understand and respect each other. And they're all sort of outsiders, at least to mm-hmm. the, to the kind of the common people in the, in the public eye, but in the, in the angel of darkness in the book, I, I vividly remember the first time I read it being like moved when they're all kind of back together. And that chalkboard thing is just so cool. Uh, and and Roosevelt is a huge character in the second book. Like he's he's not there as much, but like he's also he has some of the biggest moments of the book. So if he's uh if he's not back, that would be bizarre. But also he was so flat that either they needed to retool that or recast him or whatever it took to get the actual Teddy Roosevelt vibes that we needed, because yeah. he's a big deal in the second book. And uh in a big way so interesting yeah yeah we'll have to see what what comes of that um and maybe he's just not could do you think there's a world where he's not a main cast member but still as important yeah oh for sure yeah okay so maybe may that could be the case well historically i mean in real life based on where teddy roosevelt was at the time is a factor in the book so it's uh, he's okay. not the president but um he is he is busy so um, it'll be exciting to see what they decide to do with it. Because we had talked about the getting, getting the band together previously. I, I, w- I don't know why, but I was kind of under the impression that the second book took place a little bit further down the road, but it, lo- it I, from what I was reading, it looks like it takes place about a year after the first investigation. Yeah. I don't think it's too much longer. Um, so that, that's interesting to me. It's cool that it seems like, uh, Sarah's got her own, uh, private eye, private detective kind of agency yep. going on. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to pick back up with these characters and see what they're doing. Yeah, the second book is a lot bigger. Like, it's a much... I'm trying to think of what franchise to compare it to. Because, I mean, like I guess like most franchises, you have an f- initial story and then it's successful and you, you try to go bigger with the second one. I mean, it's... It's kind of like, I mean, this is only because it's on my mind because I've watched them recently, but it's kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean where you have okay. a really cool, tight, lean first story and then you really blow it up and get it a lot bigger. Angel of Darkness is a lot bigger. It's got a lot. Is it like the jump from Tokyo Drift to Fast 4? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> or excuse me, Fast and Furious, as I like to call uh, it. No, is nothing, that, is, yeah. nothing is that big. <laughs> uh yeah, it's it is a lot bigger of a story and it's uh it's got more moving parts and it's uh the 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 structure is in terms of their relationship to the killer is a lot different than the first book. So it's refreshing in that regard. Okay. I'm very curious to see if the show is going to follow the same structure and I bet it will and I bet it'll be really cool and we'll be talking about it 
uh, probably in like episode three or four or something like that. So that'll be fun. Awesome. Cool. Um, so yeah, in terms of other casting, it doesn't look like there's any big casting things that happened. It looks like Melanie Field and Rose McEwen, Rosie McEwen were, uh, cast in undisclosed roles that I, as I had previously mentioned, um, Ted Levine is back, yes. which I'm very excited it's about. Beautiful. Quite awesome. Cyrus is also returning. So they got pretty much everybody who could return back, back, except for Teddy and, and Stevie potentially. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. But was there anything else in the, in the trailer that stuck out that you wanted to kind of pluck from, from the trailer to not to give us any, not to tip your hand, tip the hand of the book or anything like that, but. Not really, because I don't remember what season one's trailer was like. Mm. I, I kind of do, but I, I wonder, it'd be fun to watch them, or rather rewatch the first season's trailer, now knowing everything that goes down, and kind of see yeah. how they structured it. Because the second season's trailer, I mean, it seems to kind of establish the general kind of conflict of what's going on, and that the fact that this serial killer or this serial abductor, you don't really know what yet, is... is targeting children or at least has taken yeah. a child uh so that's that's important obviously <laughs> i think it's yeah. uh you know i smiled while i was just watching it now because the the first season was so cool looking like it was shot so well and in so many interesting lens choices and so many cool tricks with depth of field and lighting and Already in the trailer for season two, there's a lot of that on display again, and it's it, it made me grin because I was like, this feels, it feels like, you know, we're kind of stepping back into a world that we're already familiar with, which is very cool. That's good, and it's good to see that they have that consistency. You know, oh yeah, that they might have that consistency anyway. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm excited, and also just seeing honestly, Moore is my favorite character from the books, but Daniel Bruhl as Laszlo is so phenomenal and he hmm. he breathes so much into a character that could potentially come off as really hokey or kind of dull like there there's a lot there on the page with him but it's also kind of kept um I'm trying to think of the right phrase he's a very subdued character and he plays a lot close to his chest and he doesn't let a lot uh out and the way Bruel plays him really brings a lot of the emotion and stuff to the forefront and makes him a much more well-rounded character. So just seeing his face again made me pretty excited because I was like, uh, just remembering what a good job he did with it. I feel like John also looks notably less shaggy. It seems like he's gotten his shit together a little bit. He sounds like he works for the, the, um, for the times. Is it? Yeah. Because I think, I think the more in the show is certainly dealing with more, a little more, kind of demons and he's his own hangups more than he is in the book in the book. He's just kind of down and feels sad, sorry for himself. And Sarah calls him out on it and she's like, stop, Mm -hmm. stop being a baby. And then he does and (laughs) he gets with it. And in the show, he's kind of actually dealing with more. Uh, And then so in season two, it looks like he's kind of kicked some of the booze probably and cleaned himself up a little bit. So that's good. Yeah. Hopefully Um, he hasn't kicked the egg creams in in a bid to lose some, (laughs) some extra LBs. Hopefully not. We still need to make our egg cream. Dude, I, I looked it up it like an hour ago, and they're ridiculously <laughs> easy to make, so we're going to do it for sure. 
We got it. Yeah, even if we have, so we had to record all of Westworld season three remotely like this. Alex and I haven't seen each other face to face since I don't even know when, maybe like February or something. Yeah, something like that. Or Christmas. Who knows with the way things have been going. Uh, I don't, right now, I'm going to say that at least for the finale of season two, even if we have to record it all remotely, we will get together somewhere. We'll sit six feet apart and we'll have egg creams and we'll, we'll get it done. Perfect. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I can, I can, I can hang it's with it. It's going to happen. <clears throat> um, it does. I know one other thing, one other notable thing about the season. So the first season, Jacob Verbruggen served as the showrunner and, uh, he's got a little bit of, he had some background as, um, a director of black mirror episodes and a house of cards episode. Um, but I think Frank Pugilese, who was a showrunner for House of Cards, has now come on for the second season <clears throat> as showrunner. Okay. Um, so it will be interesting to kind of see. It's good that you said you see some kind of consistency with like the quality of the show and doing interesting things visually. Because uh, I feel like with that kind of change, it can be easy to lose that kind of thing. Um, so very exciting, interesting to see and, and kind of cool to see that we might it'll be interesting to see if there's going to be any noticeable difference or if they've they've done a good job of establishing kind of that show style in that first season that they were able to stick to it so yeah i think there's certainly room to improve i i recall being a little dismayed at how kind of the climax went down in the first season considering how Mm -hmm. it goes down in the book uh it's it's so much better and I'm I'm kind of hoping. I mean, obviously, the I think the function of a showrunner is to kind of make sure everything goes according to the way that they've laid it out and kind of mastermind the whole thing. But also, I think to guarantee sort of a a level of quality. And yeah, obviously, no nothing against uh, Jacob Verbruggen from season one because it it's a lot of fun and it's a really cool season of TV. But I kind of hope that some of the big moments in this season will be a little truer to the book or at least realized a little bit better yeah um one last kind of question or thought that i had for you for this kind of primer episode curious of your thoughts on whether or not the idea of continuing the show past the season is uh attractive to you um obviously when the first season came out there was a lot of this is a limited series and and this is what it's gonna be and there's almost none of that in this. In fact, they mostly just say new season of the alienist. Um, so I'm kind of curious if, if they were to extrapolate and do more with these characters later on down the road, is that something that you would be interested in as, as such a fan of the source material? Yeah, uh, honestly. Yeah, I think so. That, Oh man, that's a nasty question. Cause I had no idea that was coming. <laughs> um, you know, so Caleb Carr, I believe, has said he had material for a third book, or like he was working mm. on it or something. He He's wanted to do yeah. more. And I think even after the show came out, he he had discussed that like he'd love to write more of these books. You know, if they could but, inv- if they could involve him, I think it'd be really cool. But that that's not to say that like his word is necessarily gospel. I mean, he wrote these books a while ago, so... Uh, you know, I, I it, he was definitely not super involved in season one. I remember reading an interview with him, and he said he was there, but he wasn't like heavily consulted. 
Yeah, I think he was listed as a consulting producer yeah. of some kind. And obviously, they're, they're different it. mediums, but he has a, a background in screenwriting, and he wrote them with an, an adaptation in mind, because they are really good reads. Like, they're not super dense, and they're they're pretty brisk, and they read like almost like screenplays. Like, they're, they're just very visual. And I think in, involving him a little bit more heavily for future seasons would be cool to kind of get his input on where they go. But even, I guess, even if he just was like helping write treatments or like overall story arcs would be cool. But either way, yeah, I think I'd be on board. That's something I, <laughs> I hadn't really considered. To me, the story always kind of ended with Angel of Darkness. And I think it, it could absolutely go on in some form or another. And that might actually be really cool. It's just weird because the the both books are so kind of intrinsically tied into when they take place, mm. like the characters and the events that kind of surround them are historical. So yeah, they they are somewhat slave to that, especially the first book, considering some of the supporting players that show up. And, uh, I mean, the second book has some too, so it, it is in there. I don't know. It's a cool, it's a cool idea. I, I, I think three is a nice round number. So it'd be cool to see a third season, just to kind of cap it off and just to see what they could do. And it would also kind of be exciting because I wouldn't have any idea where it's going. So it would be kind of fun yeah. to be along for the ride. But yeah. And, and to kind of be able to use what your knowledge of the characters is kind of like a springboard to kind of be like, well, this is where I think they could be headed. And this sounds like Laszlo or this doesn't that type of thing. So that's, that's true. I think but at the same time, I think you and I and every listener and every viewer of the show would kind of all be in the same boat at that point, because the story, both books yeah. are so self-contained. Like there's not, there's not like a compendium or a companion that goes along with the alienist universe. It's not like the dark tower where it kind of spreads into other works and, and it's about the all these larger themes, like that just the alienist is the alienist, and the angel of darkness is the angel of darkness, and that's it. And at that point, we'd all be kind of in it together, which would be really cool. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, the, obviously, they haven't said anything, but I think their willingness to kind of turn the show from a limited series into a second season makes a lot of sense because of the two books. But I also think... um Maybe it's the cynical part of me that thinks that Hollywood has a hard time turning down a hit. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, so, it, I, you know, I think it could go either way. There's been a lot of good good showing of discipline recently. Things like uh, Lindelof's Watchmen, which was just one season and he's done with it. Right. And, uh, you know, other, other things of that nature. Um, so, you know, they very clearly have an endpoint of the source material. And where you have something like Game of Thrones that continued on past the source material, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. So it could go. It could go any way, you know. Yeah, I just saw a tweet recently that was like saying one. It was like two weeks ago or so, and somebody saying one year ago today, like the finale of Game of Thrones aired, and uh, somebody that I'm following retweeted it, and they said, "Can you never has a show or." or movie or piece of fiction evaporated from the public mind so quickly, <laughs> which is so true. Like yeah. when it came out, I mean, I, I stopped watching it years ago, but we mm -hmm. were all talking about it and I was watching the discord and, and everybody's discussion. And of course, group texts with friends and stuff, but it, man, nobody has uttered the words game of Thrones to me in like nine or 10 months. And <laughs> it's, it's interesting remarkable. because it, 
it happened alongside Endgame as well, and to kind mm-hmm. of see how much people still are like, what's new for Marvel, and this is what I'm thinking about Endgame, and, and things of that nature, whereas like I'm at the point where I'm not even sure if HBO's going to move forward. Like they, They've said they're moving forward with their prequel series about the Lannisters or whatever, but like I feel like most people are like, mm, why? And so it's... Yeah, I don't think anyone it's, cares. It's it's pretty interesting how far that fell from grace after that that season finale, despite the amount of people that were like it was amazing, and everybody that was like it was fucking terrible. I happen to think it was terrible, but um, you know, I think that a lot of networks and studios underestimate people's willingness to enjoy new stories, mm-hmm. and that's why they get so fo- hyper focused on these like franchises and these legacy sequels and kind of stuff and sometimes they yield really awesome results i mean we i'm sure a lot of both of our favorite movies and stories are fall into any of those categories but uh, it's going to be a really interesting time especially everything that's going on with with uh coronavirus and, and how studios are being affected seeing what stories actually get made now i mean the the percentage of potential stories and in scripts that came to studios that actually got made was already so small. And now mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to get even thinner what they, what they are willing to yeah. and what they can make unless they're still able to take the same amount of money and just spread it out over many smaller projects. And we might get a greater yield of stories and, and movies and TV just on lower budgets, which ultimately is probably only a good thing. I mean, it, there, there is definitely, I think it's been proven that too much money can, can always ruin a project if you get too big with it and too crazy. And the restriction of smaller budgets usually generates a lot of innovation and, and just better product. Not always. Well, and also the, the content farming that these companies are starting to do in order to try and get things to pad out their streaming services. Right. You know, so yeah, that's some true. of that's kind of happening in some ways and, and, but it'll be interesting to see, like you said, yeah, I saw another tweet but, from, uh, and I, from Lexi Alexander and I'm not a Lexi Alexander fan necessarily. I'm not anti her or pro her. I think the only movie of hers I've seen is Punisher Warzone, And I didn't really like it that much, but uh, when it was revealed that Zack Snyder would be would be in fact working on and releasing the <laughs> Snyder Cut, because that's the timeline we're all in right now, <laughs> and he was going to do it for twenty to thirty million dollars. Uh, she yeah. retweeted it and she said, "I like Zack. I like Zack Snyder. He's a cool dude. He makes cool stuff." She's like, "But I could make five original movies with that amount of money." Mm. And, uh, oh, she made Green Street Hooligans. That's right. Because she said, I could make five original movies. And she's like, I could make five Green Street Hooligans for that amount of money. And, I mean, she's she's really rough around the edges on social media and very, very blunt and frank. But she's got a point. I mean, yeah. think of what, what so many talented filmmakers and, and creators could do with that money. Absolutely. I got to say, I'm, I'm sure. sickeningly intrigued by what the Snyder cut will be. I mean, now that it's here, I might as well embrace it, but, uh, I don't have to embrace the fan base. That's for sure. Yeah. But you think about all the shows, like, I mean, I'd be curious to see what the budget was on the alienist and, and see what, 
you know, how much money could kind of make these kind of things happen. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I mean, they film in like Bulgaria. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Luke Evans is maybe the biggest person on the show. Oh, for sure. Maybe Daniel Brühl between the two of them. Um, so I, yeah, it, it, it feels like something that, uh, and they didn't, I mean, they used some effects to try and, and make it oh, of course. Look like, yeah, look like it was, uh, in of its time, but, um, you know, it wasn't, it's certainly not a Westworld, right? It's not a game of Thrones, the most expensive TV episode of all time, that type of thing. So, but anyway, any final thoughts on the alienist before we hang it up until the premiere? that's like two months away almost exactly uh i am i'm i'm going to try to reread the book in this time i've read the alienist many more times than angel of darkness i've probably read angel of darkness like maybe three times and i can confidently say i've read the alienist like seven or eight probably um actually the (laughs) angel of darkness is funny because i there was a day i was called to uh i was called for jury duty well for not like mm. not for action but to like be screened for jury duty basically S- and yeah, yeah i was probably 19 or 20 and i drove this is when downtown detroit was a ghost town because i drove down to the courthouse it was my first time driving in uh the into that area and i remember there was absolutely no one out and i brought angel of darkness with me because I think my dad told me, he's like, bring a book because you might be there a while. And this is pre, I mean, this is probably 2005 or six. So this is like really pre smartphone. Really the PSP might've been thriving at this point. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I brought angel of darkness with me and I sat and wait in like the waiting area. And anyone who's familiar with jury duty probably could, could corroborate this. Uh, this is literally the only time I've ever been summoned uh, and I waited for probably like six hours and I read the book the entire time and I plowed through. I mean, it's a big book. It's way bigger than Alienist. Uh, it's big. And I I definitely read several hundred pages of it in that one sitting because I had literally nothing else to do. And I remember getting to a point that was so good in the book and it's near I had read some of it prior to this day so I definitely got I got through probably like the middle third and then some but I got to one point mm-hmm. that was so good that when they called the names of the people who were dismissed or who weren't there I was in that group I sat for like 10 more minutes and kept reading because I was so engrossed in what was going on <laughs> and then I was like all right this is psychotic I gotta get out of here and uh, so then I left and I probably finished it the next day or whatever but yeah, I, I have this really vivid memory of that experience tied to the book. So it's funny because I, although I've read it fewer times, I read so much of it in one big shot that it was kind of like in the movie The Neverending Story, where the kid is just so into it that he spends his whole day dedicated to it, and it's just like mm-hmm. can't stop. That's kind of the way that experience felt. And because the book is like is bigger and it has these bigger events and and more travel and that kind of thing, I remember really feeling like I was like going on this crazy ride for all these hours while i was reading this book so it was a pretty cool experience and i'm I'm excited to read it again it's definitely been i reread the alienist probably every like two or three years it it feels like right now and uh this one is definitely way further gaps in between so i'm definitely due for a reread so i'll try to be nice and fresh for the show so we can uh we can get back to the old chemistry of it 
Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna try and uh and rewatch the show and, and listen to our previous work, although it's increasingly more difficult for me to listen to myself in any form. I know, yeah, I'm the but, same way. Uh, I can never listen to anything <laughs> that we've recorded. And when yeah. I do, I always um, have a lot of fun with it. And I also simultaneously hate everything that I said and wish I could take it back and revise it. So that's the curse of it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We should make annotated versions of the film there. Just keep George Lucasing them and, and re-recording segments. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I would like to... Mostly I'm interested in trying to uh, be able to bring some comedy callbacks to some of our favorite jokes that we made from the first season, including John Moore with a whole carton of cigarettes oh in his mouth. Oh, my God. One, Fig Newtons and things of that nature. One can only hope. So, uh, yes, hopefully we get a several opportunities to to make some callbacks but in any event uh i hope you guys out there listening uh, take the time to refresh yourselves in the in the ways that you want to um or don't want to if that's the case we'd love to hear from you leading into the season or after you watch the premiere shoot your shoot your thoughts over to us uh if the show's airing on sundays we're probably going to aim to be out by tuesday night or so but that may or may not change depending on our schedules so Stay tuned, um, and and you know we'll we'll have them out as quickly as we can. But uh, I think that's about it for this primer episode. I'm excited. Once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on TheAlienist.tv. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Podcasts. You can email us at feedback at TheAlienist.tv to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on TNT's The Alienist so we can read them on our show send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding The Alienist or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, HBO's Westworld, and AMC's Preacher. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support the network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song Division by Kevin McLeod, and it is being used under an Attribution Creative Commons license. That's all for this episode of The Alienist Recap. We can't wait to see what the Season 2 premiere of The Alienist brings, but until then, we'll see you at the chalkboard.